This message comes from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with rock-solid hope in Rim Country, February 21st, 2021. Genesis 22, 1-18. Over 150 years ago, James Eads came up with a, an idea which many considered impossible. He planned to use a newly constructed material, steel, to make something that had never been done before, a bridge spanning across the Mississippi River, an arched bridge spanning across the Mississippi River at St. Louis in Missouri. This bridge, many thought, couldn't be done, and yet after securing the funding from Andrew Carnegie and securing the support of the railroads and many years of work and a few dozen lives that were even lost, the bridge was finally completed. And it was an impressive structure. It had four lanes of travel for pedestrians and carriages on top, and underneath it had a place for a locomotive to traverse across the river. At its time, measuring over a mile long, it was the longest bridge in the world. And it was completed. Only it wasn't finished yet. You see, at that time, many bridges, because of poor design or poor material of construction, had failed. And so not everyone was ready to jump on this bridge, which was the first of its kind. So a test was required. A man by the name of James Robinson, or John Robinson, came up with a spectacular plan for the bridge's opening in 1874. When he found an elephant was coming to circus nearby in the town, he decided to build off the plan of the common held belief that an elephant won't step on anything unstable. So he arranged for the elephant to cross the bridge in June of 1874. Crowds gathered, and as that elephant took its first steps across the bridge, people cheered and they followed probably the first time that an elephant ever walked across the Mississippi and back. Maybe the last time. But it worked. And in addition to the elephant, they also later on sent many locomotives across the bridge, showing that the bridge was sound. Of course, Eads and the builders and engineers knew this, but the test showed. And you can imagine what people remembered, even years later, as they saw that bridge, or as they used it, was the elephant. Elephant safe. Test passed. Bridge sound. Now our God never needs to run any such test to find out if something is secure or sound. He does not need to develop any hypothesis which needs testing, testing because God knows all things and even knows the hearts and minds of us. Who trust in him and he knows the hearts and minds of all people. But what we see as we look at Genesis chapter 22 is God is performing a test and he invites us to walk along with Abraham to see how his word is trustworthy and sound. Abraham had undergone many trials and tests throughout his life, probably more than most ever would. Consider how at the age of 75, he was asked to leave behind his homeland. He wasn't told where, just the place where the Lord would show him. 
And he went. Without delay, no questions asked. Test passed. Later on, as Abraham was in the land, the Lord told him, Look up at the stars. Count them if you can. Because Abraham, your descendants, your offspring, will be as numerous like the stars. Only this was another test of faith because Abraham, now 75, with his wife 65, were still both childless. But it says in Scripture, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was righteous through faith in the Lord. Passed the test. And sure enough, Abraham did have a son. The first son, not of the promise, but through another woman, was named Ishmael. And that that first son started to persecute and taunt the child of the promise who had been born through Sarah, Isaac. And so Sarah said, Get rid of that son of the slave woman. Abraham, you can be sure, was distressed and loved his son Ishmael, his firstborn. But when the Lord told him, it is through Isaac, the child of the promise, the one that you call laughter and delight, it's through him the world will be blessed and you will be blessed. So send Ishmael away. Abraham did and passed the test. We can see time and again, year after year, Abraham walked in faith and had to trust the Lord's promises. He had to do what Luther says is the requirement of the first commandment, to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Now, you'd think that Abraham, at over 100 years old, with his son Isaac, could just sit back, enjoy his young child, and enjoy the laughter brought by Isaac, You think he could just say, it's time to retire. I'll worship the Lord maybe once a week with the sacrifice, but I'm just going to sit back and relax. But now, at well over 100 years old, God was not finished. And if you are still alive, if God still has you around, consider this, it's because God still has a purpose for you to serve him, whether in some way great or small. And Abraham, at well over 100 years old, was about to face his greatest test. Late at night, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, take your son, whom you love, Isaac, and offer him up as a burnt offering on the place where I will show you. There's no mistaking what God is asking. His, his son, his one and only son that is now left, Isaac, whom he loves, And he's to offer him up as a burnt offering. The Hebrew expression for a burnt offering was something which would be wholly dedicated to God, the entire sacrifice burned up. And it was an expression that meant the worshiper was entirely and wholeheartedly dedicated to serving the Lord. This is what Abraham was to do with his his delight, his son Isaac, who he loved and who brought him laughter. Now, you probably have many things in your life which you find you would find hard to get rid of or hard to let go of. Some of them might even be blessings from God. Think of that blessing from God, which is your greatest, most prized treasure, whether it's a thing or a person, which you could never part with or let go of. That's what Abraham was asked to do. And Abraham couldn't separate himself 
and distance himself from this. Make no mistake, this was a hard thing. No, Lord, not him. You know, when human beings face tragedy or deal with trauma, they try to distance themselves from it. And at first, it almost sounds like Abraham is distanced when it says, early in the morning, Abraham got up, took two of his servants, took the firewood, and took his son to go to the place where the Lord would show him. But you can understand this, this was done with a very heavy heart. People will try to distance themselves as they try to downplay the thing that's taking place. Maybe politicians or news reporters will talk about boots on the ground when they're talking about soldiers fighting in a war, real people that fight and die on the battlefield. Or doctors may sometimes refer to someone flatlining when they're referring to the monitoring system going flat for the life signs of a person, a human being placed under their care. It's hard to talk about death and loss. And parents who are considering an abortion will often distance themselves from their child by simply referring to it as terminating a pregnancy or removing a fetus. But make no mistake, for Abraham, this was not some cold act. This was his son who he loved. Abraham had to consider it for three days as he traveled to that place that the Lord would show him. And as they came near and Abraham saw the place, he took the wood off of the donkey and placed it on his son so his son could carry it. And he said to his servants, you stay here. And the boy and I, we, we will go there. We will worship the Lord and we will come back to you. Did you catch that? How could Abraham do that? Part of his words reveal Abraham's heart and where he's at. Abraham is not doing this under some fear or compulsion with a, a thought that this is something he's being forced to do. No, Abraham says, we will worship. Abraham views this sacrifice as an act of worship. If the Lord has called for something, he does it in response of faith and love, worshiping the Lord. And he does it in faith as he says, note this, we will worship, we will come back. And I don't think Abraham was saying that to deceive his servants. No, Abraham understood, though I must even slay my son, God will provide. And in some way, God will bring him back so that we will return. All of my promises, all the things that God has given me are centered on him. God cannot fail. And so Abraham stepped forward down that path, trusting the promises of the Lord. The writer of the Hebrews reveals that Abraham reasoned God would raise his son back from the dead. Abraham had faith, a resurrection faith in the provision of the Lord. Then they set up that altar and it became clear to Isaac that something was missing. And he says to his father, Father, we have here the wood and the altar, but where is the sacrifice? Abraham responds, teaching his son and really teaching us, the Lord will provide. After all, the Lord had provided for Abraham this far. The Lord had always provided for him up to this point and the Lord in grace would continue to provide. 
Abraham then raised his hand after he had bound his son and placed him on the altar. And he was going to do what would really be something everyone would consider impossible. He was going to slay his son. But the Lord spoke and said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Do not harm the boy. For now I know that you will not withhold your son, your one and only son whom you love. God provided. It was seen nearby that there was a ram nearby which could be used for the sacrifice. It was caught in a thicket. And as Abraham trusted, God provided a way out. And that ram was offered up in the place of his son, Isaac. God, of course, knew. God, of course, understood what the outcome would be of this test. He calls it a test. But this test took place in order to help demonstrate to Abraham and to all who walk with him in faith, the Lord is trustworthy. You see, Abraham is like that elephant taking that step across the bridge, assuring all who read and who walk with him, the Lord will provide. Abraham said, the Lord will provide. And so Moses points out that that expression became common. On this mountain, the Lord will provide. In Hebrew, that, that phrase reads, on this mountain, the Lord will see, or as we say in English, the Lord will see to it. Interestingly, that could also have a double meaning, and that phrase could also be translated, on this mountain, the Lord, he will be seen. Whether that double meaning was intended or not, the Lord did provide a sacrifice which was planned from eternity. It was on that very same mountain that the Lord's Son was seen. Jesus, the Son of Nazareth, the one who is called the beloved Son of God, his one and only Son, was seen as he walked on that mountain. And the Lord provided as he placed on his Son the wood for the sacrifice, as his Son marched up that hill to offer up the sacrifice. Only this time, the hand was not stayed and the sacrifice was given as a provision for Isaac, Abraham, and for all who trust in the Lord's provision that we might be spared from the sacrifice. He took our place, Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus, the Son of God, did come back to life in a perfect, full obedience to the Lord, he carried out the Father's will. And Jesus, the one and only beloved Son of God, was given up so that many could be brought into the family of God and there could be a countless blessing promised to Abraham, a family of those numerous as the stars found in all those who believe. You, like Abraham, are credited as righteous through faith. You who walk with Abraham in faith can trust in the Lord's promises, knowing that they are trustworthy. He will never fail. As the Apostle Paul says, if he's provided his son, if he's given him, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? How could we ever hold back anything dear to us? Whatever it might be that we hold most precious and dear, how could we ever withhold it or not let go when we know that the Lord will provide and not even death can stop this provision and his plan? We, like Abraham, have a resurrection faith. 
You see how God reverses our place. He does this in grace. And don't misunderstand, yes, the, the Lord does say, because you listen to my voice, I will bless all nations through you and your offspring. But God had already given that, same, that very same promise decades earlier. What God is doing here for Abraham is reaffirming that promise for him and telling Abraham, your faith is not misplaced. My word, my promises remain and will be trustworthy and sound. And God assures us of that promise too. Your faith is never misplaced as you trust and serve the Lord. What is it that you think will be the hardest to give up? Consider what Abraham says, the Lord will provide. And we trust in his provision through his son. As God reverses our place and brings us into his family, he gave up his son so that he could gain countless in the family, those who with Abraham walk by faith and trust in him. And now you and I can take that step and step onto his promises, holding on to them. And we can say along with the countless family of God, we will go to worship the Lord. And when we worship, we know that no matter what comes, whatever loss we face, whatever we must let go of, even death can't stop us. We will worship and we will come back. That bridge, interestingly enough, the Eads Bridge still stands in St. Louis and traffic is still crossing over it. Even more remarkable is how God's promises stand through eternity. God's grace reverses our place. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief.